Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, where we discuss the technologies, the companies, and the people that we believe are shaping the evolution of retail. Today, I'm really excited by today's guest. Today, we have Amy Fitzgerald, the Vice President of Media Attribution and Measurement from Catalina. And Catalina, for those unfamiliar, is the company that specializes in pinpointing the why behind the buy. And the reason I'm excited we have Amy here today is because I want to go back to school. I've been thinking a lot about, for all you listeners out there, I've been thinking a lot about what we've been doing, what Anna have been doing over the last few years. And when I start to think about it, the longer I've been doing it, the longer I've been writing about retail, sharing my opinions on retail, the further I get away from actually being a retailer. And so to me, it's important to go back to school and to continue to educate myself, to also help hopefully educate you and the industry about all the things that are really important across the retail landscape. And today I'm excited because Amy is an expert in a topic that is pretty near and dear to my heart and that I wanna learn more about, that I wanna become more affluent in, and that is media attribution and marketing. So today, Amy and I are gonna dig into that subject and Amy's gonna teach me and take me back to school on what that topic's all about. So Amy, without further ado, I just wanna say welcome to the show. Thank you so much, I'm so excited to be here. Me too. I've been waiting for this for a while. For the audience, we've talked about this for a while and we've got it set up now. It's been a couple months in the works. And so it's excited. Amy and I always love talking to each other. So Amy, normally, normally what I do when I do these podcasts is I start, I say, hey, tell me a little bit about the company. We'll get there. But actually, I want to turn this to you a little bit. So Amy, tell us a little bit about who you are. What's your background? Yeah. So my background is um, CPG. So I started my career actually in finance um, at Coca-Cola company. And um, I I think that that gave me a love for data and a love for being able to analyze and kind of get to the answer. Um, I, I personal, my personality is not necessarily suited for finance. Um, So (laughs) I switched to marketing um, and, uh, and uh, did, you know, traditional brand management. And then I went into shopper and I, I spent many years at PepsiCo actually and worked okay. on great brands like uh, Gatorade and all the beverages brands and uh, Quaker Tropicana. And then I ran marketing for Naked Juice. And uh, after running marketing for Naked Juice, I realized that I really needed to get deeper into digital. I saw how uh, quickly the dollars and the eyeballs were moving to digital and I needed to understand that better. So I went to more of a um, digital company. I ran marketing for leapfrog toys and they, um, they were switching from, you know, kind of cartridge based to digital downloads. I learned a lot about CRM and managing um, a a consumer through a life cycle. Um, And from there I decided I wanted to get even more digital. And so I ran startups um, for an individual investor for four years and, you know, that kind of deep e-commerce, um, really understanding closed loop attribution. Um, I came out of that and I was like, wow, CPG marketers, they have a real opportunity to learn more about what's really working and what's not working because they don't get to see actually what happens in store. And so you're, you're, you just don't have the fidelity of measurement that you can get in a closed loop um, e-commerce kind of life. And um, from there I, I came in, in to Catalina and, and the, the reason that I I'm at Catalina's, the depth of data and knowledge and shopper history, it's fascinating. And being able to help marketers get better and smarter and 
you know, not waste their media dollars and really understand what creatives and channels and audiences are driving in-store results is um, definitely a passion of mine. So I want to make sure I heard that right too, just because I thought that was a really interesting background. So, so at one point in your career, if I heard this right, you worked for Coca-Cola and you were in finance <laughs> and then you switched to marketing, but not only did you switch to marketing, you switched to marketing at PepsiCo. <laughs> Yes. Yes, that is true. Yes. I, I know a lot about beverages. Um, I can talk about juice yields. I can talk about, um, you know, 24, eight, uh, packaging. So yeah, I know a lot about beverages. That's basically, yeah. You're glutton for punishment too. It sounds like that's, those are some two big moves, right? <laughs> two very, very contrasting moves. That's fantastic. Wow. Um, so the Catalina part's really interesting at the end, getting back to that, I think. So so you were, and it makes sense. I mean, I think it makes sense. Like you're, you're attracted to kind of the, the wealth of data that's available, given your history as a marketer, as a marketer to really understand and, and look at new approaches to what's going on in the industry and, and how to think about things. For those that are maybe a little more unfamiliar with Catalina, if you can, let's spend a little time there, talk about who they are, what's, what's the company background and, and what do they specialize in? Yeah. So Catalina has um, been working in marketing mostly media and data for 30 years. So the historical part of the business is the, it's, is the in-store network. So it's the, the coupon that comes out after you've completed your transaction. But the magic of what the company can do is um, they actually sit on the point of sale. And so they're, the, the data set is, hey, I know your shopper history and I know what you're buying right now. And I'm going to trigger an incentive based on what is what you're actually scanning right now. Like we get the the data in real time. Right, it's real and time. That's a key. Yeah, yeah. It's, and we have servers and thousands and thousands of stores. And we also know we've got three years of shopper history. So we also know what you've bought, what you've tried, what you're likely to try. Um, it, we've got shopper personalities. So are you an organic seeker? Or are you a gluten avoider? So we just have this wealth of knowledge about you as a buyer and how do we um, either tailor incentives to you or how do we help brands understand um, how to find you and how to, how to make sure that, you know, they get their offering in front of you. So that wealth of data in real time, um, we can also use that to um, it, for measurement purposes, which is what I've been working on for the last year is, is multi-touch attribution. Awesome. Well, perfect segue. I mean, yeah, and I think for the audience, I think that the, the real-time nature of that at the moment of purchase is really important. Let's, let's, let's click into that now, almost pun intended in some ways. So multi-touch attribution, like let's pull that back 30,000, maybe even 60,000 square feet because you've, you've even used words so far like closed loop and things like that. But let's pull it back even higher. I'm going to start nerding out on this for everyone listening, <laughs> but what is multi, you know, what is multi-touch attribution? Explain that for the audience. Like if they're just hearing about it for the first time. Yeah. So that is the ability to see as many media touch points as possible to a consumer and um, grade those basically give them some, some weight towards the actual purchase. So let me give an example. So for example, I have seen a digital ad I have watched a TV commercial and I see something in a mobile app. Um, any, anything that I can identify that you have been exposed to an ad um, and then you come in and purchase, we attribute um, part of that purchase 
to all of those media touch points, at least all the ones that we can see. And so that's why it's called multi-touch. So um, it's very rare that somebody only sees one exposure, right? And so mm-hmm. how do you judge um, as, as people come down the funnel of, you know, awareness to trial, you know, how do you um, give weight and credit to all of those touch points? Mm-hmm. That's what multi-touch attribution is. And, th- and those touch points are not happening. And how are the, I should actually ask this, like, how are those touch points happening? Are they happening in a linear fashion or is it more of a non-linear fashion? It is, it is non, well, so right now, um, the way that we are thinking about it is mm-hmm. more of a time decay. So, okay. um, you know, the thing that you saw a week ago has less weight than something that you saw yesterday. But the problem is most people today, and this is, this, this is just, I'd like to say, very, very new for CPG. Right. Um, the ability to actually link that in-store purchase to all of these media touch points Mm-hmm. is is a is a new capability that is being unlocked and um as i was saying before for e-commerce players or you know insurance travel closed loop players they're they're a little further along on the development curve um rather than cpg but um so this ability to actually you know unlock knowledge about you know all those purchases that happen in store and for many of our partner brands that's over 90% of their volume happens in store. Um, And so being able to link those digital media impressions to what's actually driving purchases um, is, is really exciting. Talk about that a little bit more than if you will, because like, I think that's another kind of almost nerdy topic right now, or you see it bandied about on social media a lot, especially on LinkedIn where, um, and I think, you know, I think Doug Stevens is one that's out there a lot talking about that store as media almost and understanding how to measure exactly what you're talking about, uh, you know, in regards to the context of this conversation. Like when, when you hear like store as media, what does that mean for you in the context of, of multi-touch attribution and, and what we've been discussing? Well, that one's a little tough because um, the way that I interpret store as media is um, the physical presence of the brand and the representation of the brand in the physical space. Okay, um, that is something that is very hard to 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 track or to even um, represent in um, an attribution model. Okay, so the things that we can really track are more around. Um, something that is identified, a, a media exposure that can be identified either to a person or a household. So okay. it's either your your um, phone is identifiable, your cookies on your computer are identifiable, your smart TV has an SDK that connects to the internet and makes you identifiable. So those media exposures that can actually be tracked to a household or a person are the ones that we can put into our models and um, help you understand if they're working or not. Got it. So a sex, let me make sure I hear this too. So like, I want to make sure I'm, I'm pulling this out from you and your expertise. So, you know, sex is that topic is to say store as media. We still are limited in our capabilities to understand some of what that means. And so more of what we are still able to do is if I'm hearing you right, it's almost like correlative measurements to be able to understand what activity is at, what purchases are actually happening in store against the other touch points that are happening in and around uh, the universe yeah, consumption. Exactly. Okay. Media okay. consumption. Yeah. 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 Attributable media consumption. Okay. <clears throat> How are those things, whether it's a type of creative, whether it's a specific audience that you've chosen, 
what are the things, what are the combinations of those things that really, really drive people to buy and try your products? Yeah. And grounding ourselves in kind of the, the quest for finding the answers to that, but still knowing, you know, where, what we can and can't do today. How is this different than for those listening to you? How is this different than say the traditional models of last touch attribution? Yeah. So last touch, um, is just erroneous, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you can't, agree more. <laughs> <laughs> all the upper funnel people, all the advertising people are clapping right now. So, right, right. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, that, that's that, what that, humans think though, too. I think that's what's so, you know, our natural inclination is almost to feel like everything wants to be this linear process. And therefore the last thing we see is what happens, but no, sorry, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there's a, there's an entire journey for a consumer to, you know, consider and be aware and that last touch for that last touch to get all the credit is, is just really um, not fair to the other, the other parts of the equation. Um, You know, we all see many impressions of all kinds of things all the time. And, um, you know, that builds and that's the whole point of multi-touch. It, it, it builds up your, your wanting to actually act on that. And um, one of the things that we're actually working on is the ability to look at what a last touch attribution model would be versus multi-touch just so we can start informing people. um, You know, it is, it is a way that people are are using data and, but there's, there's so much more and so much of, of a better way to, to go about it. Right. When, and one of the things I think when we first started talking to each other and we started having laughs around this topic, which it gives you an idea of kind of who we both are, I think. Um, one of the things you said to me, which I thought that I've always kept in my mind and I even have it on quotes here in my piece of paper is you have this saying, clicks don't mean in-store sales. Yeah. Uh, so in yeah. the context of what, we, what we've been discussing, yeah, yeah, I think that's germane. What, what, what does that mean? Explain that to the audience, if you will. So we see, we have dozens and dozens of campaigns running right now that we're tracking and we see zero correlation between clicks, which means, you know, on an app, it's fat fingers, right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, and, and in-store sales. Um, So, you know, as I talk to clients and I'm like, if you're optimizing on clicks, I would highly recommend you not do that. You should be looking at impressions. Impressions are what matter. Um, And clicks really don't matter. And, um, there's just no correlation. So, and what types of correlations do you see then say with impressions? It's, it's, yeah, it's impressions. So, you know, as we, as we look at impressions and we look at the people that we can actually directly communicate to or directly find and track, um, the, the things that people can optimize against are types of creative, uh, we do real time AB testing. So, Mm is the one with the kitten working better than the one with the puppy. Um, we also look at different types of audiences. And so, you know, are your heavy buyers um, more productive as far as the number of impressions that it takes to get a buyer? Because as you think about how you buy media, you buy mm-hmm. it on, you know, CPMs. Mm-hmm. And so impressions, you want those impressions to be as efficient and effective as possible. You want to mm-hmm. get, as many buyers for those thousand impressions as you possibly can. And so the levers that you can pull are really around audiences, creatives, and time of day is another, like when am I buying those impressions? Um, 
and then also um, the channels in which I'm which I'm using. And so if I bring this back then to kind of the real time nature that we talked about in the beginning, so basically then what you're saying is you you, you have this you can use the data to understand what is the what is the optimal kind of creative execution to drive the number of impressions and to create the the best impression that you can as your consumers are out shopping because you're basically running large sets of correlations against what's actually happening at point of sale and what's coming through the channels real time. And you can see how those things are moving the needle. Is that, is that the right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And we actually, the, because of the nature of the Catalina data set, we actually see yesterday's data. And so we count buyers um, Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. So Mm -hmm. let's say you've launched a new item. We can Mm -hmm. help you understand, you know, which creatives are driving the highest trial numbers and how many triers are you getting every day? And because we hold the history of the shopper, we can actually help you understand if they're repeating. Um, and and that, that um, first of all, that amount of data is awesome, but it can also be super intimidating, right? Mm-hmm. And so our job is to not just give you the data, but help you understand the insights and help you understand what you should be testing and trying, um, help you understand how you should be optimizing. I mean, we have a lot of really, really smart people, particularly data scientists mm-hmm. that work at Catalina. And, um, you know, our job is to help reduce media waste and help people get smarter. And this is, this is actually like, this is the goal of topic to me. I mean, this is what I think is so interesting about this because I think as you now, let's take this to the next, let's click in this again. Like, I think what's really interesting about this, when you start talking about the world of omni-channel retail, right. That, and like you're saying, it's, it's a multi-touch model. The consumer can engage with, you know, a retailer, a brand at any point in time, and they can do it across whatever channel they choose, right? And so uh, one of the things I always think about is like you can't, at the same time from a retailer's perspective, you can't think about things by channel. You don't have the digital consumer. You don't have the store consumer. It's all happening. And so what I love about this line of thinking, it's similar to what um, uh, Eric Nordstrom said at Shop Talk last year, which is, you know, at Nordstrom, one of the big ahas that they had is it, it's not about evaluation by channel. It's actually about evaluation of a market. So let's like take a market, let's say the Phoenix market. And it's about saying, we are Nordstrom's in Phoenix. Who are our customers? And mm-hmm. we have a set of tools in our toolbox. That could be our website. It could be our stores. It could be their new Nordstrom local store. But it's actually about watching how the tools we're using are affecting the behaviors of the people in that market. And so what I love about what you just described, and sorry for you know the long-winded entrance to this, but what I love about what you just described is you're now able to actually measure the true effectiveness of an omni-channel or a multi-channel approach against your actual customers. Yeah, the one-to-one nature of data today is, first of all, it, it, it's what your customers want. They want mm-hmm. personalized communication, right? Like, right if I'm a gluten avoider, like, or let's say I'm vegan, I don't want a circular that has a big old slab of steak on the front of it. Right. Right. Like, and it doesn't matter if I'm 14 or 60, like the whole demographic thing goes out the window too. Exactly. That's that's where I was going to go next. Yeah. Yeah. Like cohort effect or the demographic effects, which aren't always a hundred percent accurate go away. Right. Cause you can start to get very individualized in your approach. Is that right? Totally. Totally. And, and not only from an ad measurement perspective, but also from an ad serving perspective, like the more you know about somebody, Mm -hmm. the more tailored and uh, relevant you can be for them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, retailers, people want to be loyal. I mean, they, they like being recognized. They like being personalized too. Um, and 
we just haven't quite figured it out, um, you know, for grocery and drug mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. particular and mass, you know, mm-hmm. that, that we just haven't quite figured it out yet, but it's coming and the data is um, enabling all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I love just, just from my own experience, because that stops the political infighting too. It's like, you know, let's look at a period of time. What was our goals? How did, how, what, yeah. you know, what yeah. marketing segments did we want to move? Did we move them? Did we not? And okay, it's not about, you know, the profit of this channel versus the other. It's how did we do in total against the targets that we set for ourselves as marketers? Yeah, it's data Never and facts data. versus yeah. intuition. And there is a lot of retail that's run on intuition today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've never been able to do that in physical retail. And like I know from your experience, you've always been able to do that in e-commerce, but we've never been able to do that in physical retail. I think just to close us out on this topic, I think how would how would you advise retailers then to think about it? Like what would be like, you know, words of advice you would have? So like if you know, if you're buying into this approach, you know, here are some a few steps that you would recommend them to take to start putting that into practice. Yeah, I you know, um some retailers are are more sophisticated in this space than others. Mm-hmm. Um I I would say that there's a real opportunity for retailers to understand um how they're driving consumers uh across categories um into own brand, uh, you know, and even targeting people that haven't shopped them before. And, you know, they they need to be you know, tagging and tracking all of their media points in order to be able to answer those questions, which are crucial to every retailer. Like, am I getting more people in my stores? Are they buying more and across categories? And are they buying, all retailers are investing heavily in own brand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to not be able to report against that, they have the tools to be able to report against it. They just need to enable them. Mm -hmm. So setting up the foundations to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to write systems, write data sets, you know, tracking all of your media, Mm -hmm. linking it back to your loyalty cards or traceable Tinder. Um, But there's, I mean, everybody's just getting started. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to get much more sophisticated over the next 18 months, I think. Well, to that point, so what can we expect? What can what can the market expect from you, and what can we expect from from Catalina on on this topic over, say, the next year or eighteen months, as you just mentioned? Yeah, so I am fascinated by the TV space. Um, that is an industry that hasn't it had. I mean, it's dabbled in purchase based targeting and reporting, but the reality, and you know, as you as you sit through the upfronts, the reality is people are still buying based on sex and, and demographics, right? Women 18 right. to 34. Right. And it doesn't take into account like what kind what what are the lifestyles that I'm living and what kind what are the brands that I am open to? And you know, so I think that that entire space hasn't it hasn't um moved very much over the last 30 years. And um I think that it's very ripe for, you know, now that TVs are smarter, they're connected to the internet. Mm-hmm. It's a game changer. It becomes more one to one deterministic versus, mm-hmm. you know, this this one to many. You can now actually target and measure um, your TV ads. How crazy mm-hmm. is that? I I have right. this this thing. I'm like, okay, so your Super Bowl ad is it successful or not? You've just spent five million dollars, not including production. Um, there's a group of people at USA Today. There's like ten people who are making that that decision for you. <laughs> like. Wouldn't you want to know if you actually drove sales or drove new buyers or drove trial? Right. Like it's crazy um, how that is being judged today, and it needs to get more fact based. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that's always seemed like a ripe opportunity. I'll never forget. I was talking to a really large e-commerce provider and he just totally opened my eyes very quickly. And he said, you know, when we run an ad on HGTV, we know immediately what effect that has on our sales on our website. I know. <laughs> Getting that same level of knowledge in a store, you know, is just, it's incredible to think about. So yeah, that's exciting. It seems like it's, it seems like there's just a, a, t- a ton a ton of opportunity there. So, well, this has been fun. I have loved this interview. This is great. It's so educational for me too. So this is probably, I feel like this is already probably the most I've geeked out on uh, discussing a topic. (laughs) Every time we talk, I'm like, yeah, we just like totally go, go for it. There's so much there. I mean, this is a brand new space. It's a brave new world for CPG being able to granularly understand what's actually working and not working is is fabulous. You know, I would just, I would encourage retailers, the, the things that really shut down the ability to truly understand what's going on is walled gardens. So either from the standpoint of retailers, not participating in any kind of co-op data set, and there's a lot of them, um, mm-hmm. is frustrating for marketers because they can't, they can't actually see across channels. Um, and then also, you know, social media walled gardens, um, need to, I mean, I think it'll happen over time, but everybody's very protective of their data, but it Mm -hmm. makes it very challenging for marketers to understand what's working Mm -hmm. and what's not. Yeah. It's so interesting because so much of like the entrepreneurial zeitgeist and spirit is around, you know, kind of that idea that collaboration is the new competition. And yeah, it's it's a really interesting, that's a fascinating topic too, to see how it unfolds because there are a lot of people that can make this better. And it's, and I, I was, I was talking about this last night with somebody too. It's not about a winner take all, you know, mentality really. It's about just how do I do things better for my customer every day? And that's what really yeah. matters ultimately. So I think that's the right approach. So, exactly. uh, well, I'm, I'm pumped because this is going to be a fun one. So we're going to do how millennial are you? Amy has <laughs> most of our guests. And so for those listening, maybe for the first time, how millennial are you is like, it's our segment. It's similar to what you might have seen with James Lipton on Inside the Actor's Studio, but it's our standard questionnaire that we ask all our guests. And it's not really to judge your age and how millennial you are, what generation you are, but really just to get us, get our minds going and to think about how curious we all should be or are around the state of how things are changing in the world and especially related to retail. So, Amy, are you ready? I am ready. All right. Question number one. So, when the option is available, let's say you're going to the grocery store or some other place to buy something. If the option is available, are you using say Apple pay or Samsung pay? Or are you taking out your credit card? I am taking out my credit card and I'm so much <laughs> like that, that even my children, like my 15 year old daughter has a debit card and doesn't use Apple pay. Like our entire family <laughs> is uh, not about mobile payment. Oh my gosh. Funny? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Apple just re- uh, introduced their own credit card today, too, or this week. I know, I, I, I know. Think you might have to try that one out. I'm curious. I would actually love to hear what you thought about it. I think it <laughs> okay, I will. I will put it on my my, my to do list. Right, sign up for a credit card. Yeah, there you go. Chris wants me Walker to wants get to an Apple credit card. card. <laughs> <laughs> Apple loves okay. this right now. Done. Uh, all right, question two: How many food or drinks have you ordered via an app in the last week? So the problem here is that I live in the mountains and we do not have the same um, uh, source of uh, food delivery options that perhaps people in cities have. So I have to say zero. Okay. But I'm sitting in front of my hydro flask in the mountains. So I think that that qualifies me as somewhat millennial. Oh yeah, no, that that might actually make you more millennial. (laughs) That's that's quite true. Yeah, actually being well hydrated, I think. (laughs) 
<laughs> my, my Hydra Flask with my Telluride sticker. I'm, uh, you know, I'm winning. Oh now, yeah, now you're doubling down. Oh my gosh. I almost have to stop the questionnaire. No, yeah, yeah. Living in the mountains too. Also highly millennial, right? <laughs> All right. Question number three. This is what will be fun. If you could only use one social app, what would it be and why? So it has to be Instagram because it, awesome. that is the only social app that my children will actually um, interact with me. Is on. that right? Really? How old are your children? Uh, my son is 13 and my daughter's 15. Okay. My, my children are horrified by my Snapchat skills. I mean, it is like they're, they're, they're physically embarrassed when I open Snapchat. They're like, mom, your score is like, it's it, so so Instagram is my I, I've kind of given up on Facebook I have to tell you have I, you why I I just am not that interested in it anymore it's such a time suck you know and the only times I post on Facebook I have a, older relatives that are on Facebook and so I feel obligated to like share big life events or family pictures sure. but besides that I'm like screw it I'm, I'm insta all the way Interesting. So what, yeah. And so what's the value there for Instagram? Cause I would say probably, you know, we've done this for a while now, Instagram, the two we probably hear most, or maybe three, the ones we hear most often are actually Instagram, LinkedIn, if you're really in the, you know, really connected, you know, socially on the business side and then uh, Twitter. Uh, oh God, I hate Twitter. I actually deleted my Twitter account. Did you? Okay. I did. Yeah. yeah I'm like, I feel like it's like so reactionary and it just, it, it's, it's not helping a useful intelligent discourse you know right, right. I, I just think it's yeah. like two in the moment yeah Why Instagram though what's what's the catch there I'm just, just I, was I just discover like, new things like discovery yeah it's discovery so we um we went to Greece this summer and uh there was a specific island that we went to that my son picked based on the shape of it which is <laughs> it turned out to be magical interesting um and so I started following you know that hashtag and learned all kinds of things that we could do while we were there. I, uh, I, their personalization is spot on for me. Like, like when stuff pops up into my feed, it is things that I am interested in and I buy shit all the time on that thing. Like, it's like, um, I just bought like this, um, mini, um, video projector Okay. because everybody needs one of those, right? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> it, spoke it spoke to you in the moment of discovery. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what it is. That's that's why we ask because I think it, this helps us. It helps us understand where things are moving. And um, and actually, we were just talking at a, a we just gave a presentation the other day, Ann and I, around uh, just social commerce and, and Instagram specifically around the angle of discovery. So it's just actually just you know hearing these anecdotes is helpful in terms of validation of, of some of the points that you know we've been drawing and concluding around how things might end up transpiring especially you know especially in the context of the conversation we just had around yeah around yeah they're doing great personalization and yeah. they're measuring every single one of those transactions yeah and where they, they know exactly yeah yeah they know exactly what messaging what image to use like they're they're killing it yeah absolutely well awesome so i think let's get you out of here on this if people love this conversation as i hope they did um, and they want to learn more. They want to get in touch with you. They want to learn more about the approach that you and Catalina are taking towards this topic. Uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Are you guys going to be at any shows? Yeah. So we're going to be at NACDS, um, the Total Store Expo coming up. We'll also be at Expo East. Um, we'll be at Ramp Up. Um, we, we have a strong partnership with Live Ramp, so we'll be at Ramp Up. And if you have any questions about multi-touch attribution, affectionately known as MTA, 
Um, <laughs> uh, our email address is uh, mta at catalina.com. So easy to remember. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Again. Oh, this was great. Thank you so much. No, for sure. Amy Fitzgerald of Catalina. Again, uh, thank you so much, Amy, for being here with us. We really appreciate it. I really love this conversation. And for those of you listening out there, as always, be careful out there.